All right. What's up, everybody? It's the ID84 show live here from quarantine, almost a year in prison. And as always, to the left of me, Adam the Mallet from his isolated location, uh, uh, Pots Unknown. Like he likes to keep it into the, the Mallet Cave. In the bunker. He's up in Bangor, Maine. In a, some bunker in a cabin somewhere in a city that has no name. Out in the distance. Well, you gonna, would you put the bang in Bangor already? I did put the bang in Bangor. I might have conceived, I might have conceived another child in Bangor. It all worked out well. Maybe the weather and the sunset had something to do with it. We, uh, we do have a guest tonight. Comedian Rob Crean will be joining us shortly from his uh, whereabouts um, since we don't have guests in studio anymore. And further back, I did spend the weekend in Bangor, and uh, it was an interesting place to be. I'll put it that way. Very interesting. It was uh, the objective of the place was just to get away. So we're like, oh, there's a casino. And then we're like, oh, we always want to go to Cadillac Mountain so we can kill two birds with one stone. And we got a free hotel room because I had some points. So I decided to use it. And uh, we, we went to the hotel. It was beautiful. Brand new hotel. And uh, the restaurant in the hotel was quite nice. Very delicious food. Very nice. So we had dinner. And we're like, oh, let's walk across the street to the hotel, uh, to the casino, rather. And it's a casino that you have been to several times. Times, yep. And uh, it was like uh, getting into uh, prison. <laughs> we got into the lobby and there was like a line like 40 people deep. And I'm like, this is the line to get in the casino. And there was like this one person checking people. And then it was a big sign that says only allowing 200 people in at a time. For a casino, that's very, very little, right? It's Saturday night. It's like 7 o'clock at this point. Now, mind you, the casino closes at 9 so we waited in line for like like 45 minutes. And I looked, I go, it's like quarter of eight. I go, once we get in, the casino's only going to be open for a half hour. But once you got into the casino, you had like picture a giant gymnasium, right? And picture slot machines all over the gymnasium. What they did was they put tents around like groups of like 30 of slot machines. And you had section one, section two, and you had to wait in a line to get into that section. So once you got into the casino, you weren't really in the casino. You had to wait in line into a pod section, which the line was the lines we seen for the pod section had to be about 50, 60 people deep around the corner. Cause I think they were only allowing like 10 or 15 people in each pod, 200 people. Comp- so it made no sense because basically what it did was it, the, the idea was to social distance. So to do so, what a smart way would do is maybe put plexiglass between the slot machines or maybe shut yeah. off the middle slot machine. Right. So people could still circulate. Yeah. So all they did was cram a bunch of people in the lobby on top of each other and a bunch of people in the middle of the casino waiting in line to get into the pod. So social distancing was not being practiced whatsoever. So it was, it was counterproductive. So, I mean, because the That's wind funny. in Everett, what they did was they just put plexiglass between the, uh, the slot machines, right? That's logical. That makes sense. So yeah, people yeah. could still move around and, and, and distance themselves. Once you're in this confined hallway, it was literally a hallway that was six feet wide full of people so it's like well that's the the whole situation is right there just fucked so yeah you're cramming everybody together still yeah so i said fuck that so we left and uh we took the the 200 we were going to spend on slot machines to the bar across the street where we were just at and we were like this is great because our hotel room is directly above this restaurant so when we get a little sloshy and they kick us out we just have to jump on an elevator and we're in our room and uh, we did so. We got very, she said, I'm not getting drunk. That was her keyword. I'm not getting drunk tonight because I don't want to be hung over the next one. And I said, that's fine. So three um, espresso martinis later, she's on her fourth. And she's drunk. 
And I said to her, I go, I didn't think you were going to get drunk tonight. And she's like, I lied. I go, okay, at least you're honest. But we did have to break up, uh, wake up at uh, like five. Pick off before we left off, before we were rudely interrupted by the shittiness of, uh, of my Comcast or Xfinity internet. It, it cut off where you, she said, uh, well, she said she wasn't going to get drunk and she said I lied. Yeah, she did and she got drunk. Yeah, but we had to be up at five o'clock in the morning because the sunrise at at uh, Bahaba was at six forty-five a.m. or no, six fifty-three a.m. something like that. So we're like, all right, well, it's at least an hour and twenty minutes drive, so we got to get up and then go and everything. Because our intentions was to go to Cadillac Mountain, which is the first sunrise of the country. It's the most yes. eastern point place you see. Cause That's what they say. But... Yeah, I guess when you look up the border of Maine, there are more eastern points. But, yeah. but the elevation and your 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 visual key cue, I guess you could say. I guess. Yeah. So well, skeptical. Anyway, yeah, it was nice. It was a beautiful sunrise. It was a clear day over the beach and everything. But um we got to the mountain and apparently the mountain is closed on uh from Jan- from December first to uh April first. So we're like, we'll just go to the beach at this point. So we'll be back at some point. Maybe not in the winter time. But the problem is you go in the summertime, the sunrise is like at fucking five you know, five o'clock in the morning. So it's way earlier than it is in the wintertime. So, you know, That's that was that weekend, you know. Did you, uh, you do anything crazy and exciting? No, man. My life is not that crazy. No. No, I'm hoping that once this whole pandemic is over, it actually goes someplace really good. Wait, we're in a pandemic? Something like that. Something of the sort. Yeah. Could have fooled me. Everything just, you know. I hate Xfinity, and I'll tell you why. My, I lose my internet at least twice a day. Twice a day, my router just decides to reboot. Oh, sorry, Ed. Yeah, no, it just, it, when, we just, like this, we just, in the middle of a show, we just rebooted for some well, reason. Well, you see, remember that bullshit I was mad over a couple of years ago, the net neutrality thing? Yeah. That's why this is happening, because they're throttling your internet connection. Mm-hmm. Everybody would have to be on the same connection in terms of speed and bullshit, if they say they're not limiting it, they fucking are. Yeah. Right? If, but I, do you have the most premium package? Probably not. Do you? It, probably like the, it's like a tier below. Yeah. See, they're trying to get you to upgrade. That's what they're trying to do. So they're awesome. throttling your package. Yeah. Cause I, I like twice a day, I'll look at my security cameras. I'll get alerts that my internet's off and then the cameras have to reset. So like this happens like during the day where like, for example, yesterday we were working from home. Everything went out around noontime for about 15 minutes. Like this, the show, everything just went out for like five minutes. And it's like, it literally, I look at it and just like resets for no reason whatsoever. Because we lost the net neutrality battle. This, yeah. is, this is the direct result of that. Who do we blame for this net neutrality battle? Because I want to go and uh, read him a pretty strongly email. I forget his name. He resigned recently, though. Um, I don't know. I will say Trump did appoint him. Yeah. What say. was the reason for this net neutrality? Oh, I forget his argument. No, the, we canceled it. We used to have it here. Okay. Like, it, 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 we all had to be at the same speed, but now, um, what the fuck? I forget the argument. It upsets me greatly. Very yeah. upset the situation. And if you guys are watching us on Facebook Live, sorry for the uh, minute that is absolute nothing. Um, just fast forward and you'll be fine. I guess you already watched it, so I'm tell- rewind and fast forward, I guess you could say, if you want. That would be good. Makes no sense at all. Um, a lot of celebrities just died. We had a a friend of ours, very close friend of ours that we spent many many uh, summers with in uh, California. Um, Dustin Diamond, I know. dead. 
44. Now, we were just talking yeah. about him uh, a couple of days ago. Remember, we were just like, I told we were like, we we're talking about how he had terminal cancer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's funny because he had it. He, uh, he complained about like a lump like a couple of years ago and did nothing yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, but like, I mean, I'm not celebrating his death or anything, but like, it's not like he was, he's like stabbed somebody a couple of years ago. Like, he's not exactly a model yeah. citizen. He wasn't exactly a model citizen. That's correct. <laughs> he was, uh, he had a man, of, he was a man of demons. Um, I guess that happens when you're a child celebrity, I guess, and then your whole stereotype of a of a character is a nerdy guy, you know, with a Jew fro that you really can't ever really bring out anything, you know. But you know what pisses me off though? You have all his former castmates who probably most of them, I know a few of them have, but most of them haven't spoken to him since the fucking show ended. Who yeah. are like, oh my god, you were like such a comedic genius. Well, fuck you. Like you didn't give a shit. <laughs> you think these friends would be nice and maybe give them a role on their new uh, the many versions of Save the Bell that have come out over the years. They never included them. He well, yeah, just them off. He did. I did have that movie. Remember he he's or that tell-all book that, and yeah. Lifetime movie about all the shit that supposedly went down. Yeah, which ended up half of it being like wrong or like not right, like made up because yeah, it was probably. like. It was proven yeah. not true by several sources that he was just making shit up as this thing to make the story, you know, pretty exciting. I, I feel like to say by the smell, then he came out years later and said he was a stunt double. It wasn't really him, which I thought Something was like that. Yeah. It looked exactly like him. Um, I wonder if the fact that he didn't get the lump checked out was maybe because he couldn't afford to. You know, I mean, maybe he was pissed out all of his money. I mean, even you and me, if we had nothing, could go to the fucking emergency room and be like, what the hell is this? And yeah, we have exactly. to pay something for it, but we could still do it. But they would never turn you down, too, for medical, right? They would yeah. always just bill you later and just deal with it later. But, like, you figure if you have a lump, that's kind of scary. He said he never smoked, um, which, I mean, people get lung cancer all the time with all cancer, but the lump, the lymph node had, had spread into his lungs, and, and that pretty much was, like, donezo. I think he went to some cancer place in Florida. And he was there for like a week. And they, they, to Florida. <laughs> they, pretty, they pretty much told him he was donezo. I guess there's this place, the Cancer Institute of Florida. I guess it's a place where you can go and pay a premium to get cancer research if you can't afford it. I don't know what, how it works. It, it's, it's like a, they have commercials for it, like late at night when you're watching like Fox News. It's like, come to the Cancer Institute of America in case you got cancer. Come check out our place right there. I don't think I would go to, I've, I've seen too many people die in Florida. <laughs> Who are old? I don't know if uh, you would think they would have the most top-notch medical since they're all the old people down. There. Yeah, they have like the worst. Like I, the I, worst. I, I have, I have my my family has friends who live down there, and they make their appointments up here. Oh yeah, like they so fly home here to go to a doctor rather than go to the one in Florida. They won't right. go to the they won't go to the emergency room with a paper cut. My grandfather was killed by uh, a Floridian doctor who, after he had a stroke, they gave him this like blood thinner medicine that ended up drying out his kidneys and killing him from a kidney disease. Is like, a, are you serious? Is that a true yeah. story? Like That's nine months, off. nine months later, he had like, he had a stroke in like a mild stroke. It wasn't anything bad in June. And they said, Oh, you have, you have thick blood. We gotta we'll give you these, these thinners, but they, they were giving him the blood thinners, but he also was taking another medication for his heart. And they both like interacted with each other. And basically just, like they literally dissolved his kidneys. Yeah. So nine months later, and he wasn't—he was an old Italian guy who didn't really complain about shit. So he never really talked about pain, and I was hurting. Like most people would be like, "Ah, I should go to the doctor. My kidneys hurt." And like when he went to the the, the emergency room, uh, one of his kidneys was completely failed, and the other one was only at fifteen percent, and he died several days later. So that's a Florida doctor for you. And that was only ten years ago. So 
Well, you know, I know Florida is like one of the highest states for overprescriptions. Like oh, they overprescribe. Well, how many pill poppers are down in Florida? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or how about the fact that like uh, they are so desperate for medical people down there because there's so many old people, they literally just hire you out of like a community college to become a, a, a nurse down there. Fucked. I'm going to, you know, I meet a girl. She was like an ex stripper. You meet her at some like dive bar in Fort Myers Beach. She's like, I used to strip, but. I'm going to be here. I'm working at the hospital. I'm giving needles to people. I'm a, what do they call it? A nurse practitioner? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, those are the ones that actually make decent money. I'm thinking yeah. of the medical assistants. The yeah. medical assistants are like bottom of the barrel. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. You know? You know, some girl, you meet some girl at the bar, right? And she's like, yeah, I'm a nurse. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to lead this nurse. You know, and how much they make a year? And then you get like, get halfway deep in her. And she's like, I'm just a... I'm just the uh, medical assistant. Oh, so when net neutrality was repelled, they were worried because many consumers advocated argue that once the rules were scrapped, broadband providers would begin selling the internet in bundles, not unlike cable television packages. And they want to access Facebook, Twitter under a bundling system. Getting on those sites could require paying for a premium account. Another major concern is that consumers could suffer for pay to play deals. Without rules prohibiting, a fast lane could be occupied by big internet media companies as well as households while everyone else would be left in the slow lane. So that's, there it is. That's why we're slow. <laughs> you're not paying for a premium package. You're in the slow lane already. Fucking bullshit. And I pay almost $200 a month for my cable and internet, which is absolutely Woo! ridiculous. $180 a month, we get a bill. And we have three cable boxes. We have HD package or whatnot. We have no DVR. We don't DVR or anything. And uh, the internet is lousy, and we watch about seven channels. So then if I want to go back in time, right? So say I'm like, fuck the cable, just give me the internet, right? The cheapest rate is like 80 bucks, which you could say, all right, that's $100 cheaper than you're paying. But then if I want channels, like for example, YouTube TV is $50 a month, so all right. And then if I want like, uh, you know, Netflix or like, you know, of all these fucking channels like Discovery Plus now and Disney Plus and all this fucking shit, they're all like 5 to $10 a month. Before you know it, you're paying the same amount of money you're paying for cable. Oh, yeah. It just chips away because you got yeah. all these apps now. Yeah. It's all the same. Like, I don't understand how that's even, like, how does that make any sense? Who's paying for cable and all these apps? Or are these apps designed for people who aren't paying for cable? No one knows. But eventually, I have a prediction that the market eventually is going to get so saturated with these apps yeah. That eventually it's all going to come full circle and people are going to go back to cable. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what's going to. So I should just hang in there. I, yeah. I, I need some, like my wife, like she, she's pretty ballsy. I should, she, she got a cable bill brought down. They once went up like 25 bucks and I'm like, what the fuck they go up 25 bucks for? So she called up and yelled at them and they brought it back down to our regular rate. So, you know, until next year, until probably. next year. Yeah. It's a fucking pain. Yes. Cause you can't live without the internet. That's the problem. I, I can live without. I could probably live with all cable if I it was like, if it was just taken away from me and I had to adapt, I could figure it out in a few days. That's me. I mean, I, half the time I watch YouTube anyways. Yeah, same so, yeah I don't have, I don't have cable. I have, a, I have a, just an HD antenna. Yeah, exactly. So, and then there's this thing called, um, it's actually this app and I don't know if you've used this or not. Uh, I wonder if I have it on my phone right now, but it, it's called, um, Lowcast. You ever use that? No, never heard of it actually. So Lowcast is an app that basically grabs all the free, waves in the sky and turns it into an app and you get to log in you get to log in it's 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 i guess it's it used to be free they they ask you for a donation because but it's basically taking free airwaves 
and it converts it to um, a digital format so you can watch it on an app or like on the Apple TV or whatever like that. And you get your basic channels. So you get your, you know, four or five, seven, you know, like that. But yeah, but there are so many free movie services now. I don't think people realize. Oh, like yeah. I, I use, I, I use a bunch of them. There's tons of free apps. There's like, I use, I have Tubi, Vudu, um, and those are legal and free. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to watch a commercial every once in a while, yeah, of course, but like if for free, you got to complain. Uh, Pluto TV, that's another one. Peacock, that's another one. Um, these all have free TV shows and free movies. Nice. But who knows anything about free? How about I guess? Think he knows anything about being free? I don't know, but we're going to find out, Arthur. Oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, bringing you in now live to the ID84 show below us. Just looks like he's eating a bag of popcorn. Hey! Eating Robert Crean. How you doing, sir? It looks like the bad guy from Lethal Weapon 3. I do like, yes. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Good, man. How you doing? Welcome hey, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I seen you uh, enjoying some popcorn. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. I, ate, uh, I ate a lot of popcorn. It's, uh, this is the bowl that I usually eat it from. It's bigger than my head. Nice. Now I want popcorn. That Thanks, is a Rob. Very, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, I could smell the popcorn from the stream. Yeah. Right? Pop, isn't popcorn one of those weird things? Like, you can eat it at any time. You know what I mean? It's like a... It's very yeah. Good. And you say I you buy it in a 50-pound bag. <laughs> like at nice. the movie theaters? <laughs> like at the yeah, banana. I buy like movie theater bags. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, 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 it lasts me, you know, it lasts me, I buy like three a year. So yeah. I eat about 150 pounds oh. of popcorn a year. I don't know if I'd survive. I think I'd eat the whole entire bag in one sit. No, just sit there and just be well, digging into it, you know? I mean, it's not, it's not pop, so you have to, you know, it's it, just the kernels. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So there's some work that's required. So it's not as easy as just to grab in there and grab some stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you, I, you could eat it, I guess. It just is real hard. Yeah. I guess that's one of the things. So uh, where are you joining us from tonight? Uh, I'm in Jamaica Plain. Oh, JP. Oh, you're local. You're right down the street. Yeah. Yeah, where are you guys? So I know, well, I know you don't. Uh, Adam, you're not revealing where you're, you're maybe in no, Maine. I'm in, but... I'm in Woburn. I live in oh, Woburn. Woburn. Okay, sure, sure. Okay. And I'm up in uh, the West Newberry. All right, cool. Yeah, well, we're, uh, we're, we're I'm from Rivera, and uh, we used to do the show in Cambridge, actually, in, uh, in Central Square many moons ago. I spent a lot of time in Central Square. I, I used to run a bunch of shows in Central. When, uh, which, uh, which venue? Uh, Improv Boston and the 730 Tavern. And uh, there's another venue that I used to, there was like a rock venue that I used to do shows at that uh, I think fell into the river. I don't know what happened to it. Oh, uh, the Middle East? Yeah, something like, yeah, I think something <laughs> yeah. like that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Middle East. Yeah, I, there for, to... I was there for 14 years. Uh, oh, wow. So we've, we've crossed paths, I think, and we just didn't realize it probably because I spent a lot of time, because we were, our studio was at WEMF right down the street from the Middle East. Oh, sure. And I used to do, uh, st um, we call it open mics all the time. But Tuesday nights, I believe, it was at the Middle East. That was my yeah. That was me. That was my mic. Oh, okay. Oh, so we. I think we've probably met. met I'm, I'm talking like five, six years ago. It's been a long yeah. time since I've been doing that. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, improv Boston as well. I've done some stuff there, but uh. Yeah. I used to. Used to I used to teach there, and I ran a late night show. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a great place, improv. Yeah, I love it. I, I mean, I, the, the classes were great. I think everyone there was cool. I mean, it was like one of those like yeah. nice little niches in Cambridge, you know, like. I don't yeah. know. You did a class with Dana? I did. A couple of classes, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool. He was a really good teacher, too. So, yeah. I mean, he kind of like trained me when I was starting there, uh, yeah. like like 12 years ago or whatever. Yeah. He's great. Always a super positive guy. So, what's going on with that? Are they still open? I, I seen some yeah, things. They're still open. I just Googled it. I thought they were closed. I thought they were shut down. Oh. Nope. They are going. The Middle East is still there. No, no. Oh, yeah. oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Improv Boston. Oh, I didn't talk Middle East. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So yeah Improv Boston is, is closed. 
Jesus. Yeah, I seen some. They were having like right before COVID hit. They were trying to like kind of save it or something like that. And yeah, I'm well. I mean, the COVID was what did it really. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a nonprofit theater, so it always was kind of struggling. Yep. But they were doing fine up until the pandemic hit, and then you know, it's it, you know, just it was. It's just really hard to get people to sign up for like Zoom classes and stuff. Yeah, Which, and it took. I mean, and and it it did take a couple of sessions, I think, for me to figure out how to do a Zoom class. So I think I can do a Zoom class well now, but just you know, there's not there's just not enough interest, unfortunately. I feel like comedy. I mean, I don't know if you've tried doing any any Zoom standups. I've done a couple and they were terrible. Yeah. But it's it's comedy is one of those things where you need reaction, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you need people there. You need to read the crowd. You need to feel it's. It, and then when you're doing it, like you might as well just be doing it into a camera. You need to feel the laughs. You need to feel the the booze you need to feel the, the you need to feel it you know it's a and you can't yeah, get that. I, it definitely is different i mean it's definitely not the same you know yeah. uh, but it's um i don't know I, I mean i try to do at least a couple of zoom shows a week to try and like stay active and yeah not like you know but it's definitely i you know i i it's it's just it's different but i like i like it i do you know i do a zoom mic every tuesday yeah fun uh, my roommate Angela does a Zoom mic on on Sundays. That's really great. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know. Now, how do you? So, what's your setup for this? Because do you have like a screen where you can see everyone, and then you can kind of work from it, and you have a little mic set up? Like, how do you yeah, get yourself like it. in the zone? Uh, oh, I mean, I, it's pretty much just like this. I just yeah. I, it's very loose. It's it's different. I mean, it's not the same. It's definitely a lot more conversation, especially as a host. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot more conversational like my hosting style was always pretty riffy like i don't really i would never do like bits in between people's sets i would just kind of comment on what other people said okay and it's just a lot it's it's you know now I'm, I'm still doing that but it's also it's a little bit more conversational i mean with with a zoom mic you can have someone do their set and then afterwards you can kind of open it up to the room for conversation mm -hmm. which is fun uh in a way that would have been there was always a little awkward when you did it live because live just sometimes depending on where people are sitting if yeah. someone's like over here and they're talking people over here may not be able to hear them uh mm -hmm. and so it's like you know doing the mic like there used to be it would always be like if if i would start talking to someone there would be a point where i'd have to decide whether or not to just invite them on stage to to continue it yeah, and with a, with a mic that you know in person their time was always such a like huge thing because i would get 60 plus comics up every week but now that it's on zoom it's like if, if i get if I get 20 comics, I'm lucky. It's usually like, you know, around like 12 comics. So yeah. it's pretty easy to keep it loose. When that uh, Middle East thing was going on, I mean, that was like, holy shit. I remember you'd, yeah, I'd, I'd get there and sign up like, you know, right at 8 o'clock or 745, yeah. uh, 7.45, whatever. And it, it would be till almost midnight sometimes you got on because it was so it never. It was never done by midnight. Never. Not, yeah, it was like forever. <laughs> we ended up one every, I think there was like, Maybe two or three weeks over the 14 years I was there, I ended at like quarter of one. That's crazy. But it was such a great place because everyone in the friggin' area went there because they knew that was the spot to go. And it was yeah. just, and that place was just a cool place just to hang out. And Adam and I used to pop in after our shows all the time down the street and we'd just sit there and there'd be live music in there. But I, you know, but yeah, I mean, I was, I, you know, I was, uh, I grew up going to shows there and I really, um, always was really felt really lucky to be to work there and then it it kind of went bad it's, too, it's too bad because 
like anything and pretty much where that's located and where, cause I know that I think they're knocking that block down to build some fucking another development. For sure. It's the plan and same with probably improv with us, you know, was at the yeah. field that's right next to improv, that cool little bar that everyone used to go hang out afterwards when done yeah, classes they, and stuff, you know. They closed too. They closed as well. Oh yeah. fuck. Shit. So that whole block is pretty much desolate at this point. Oh, there's probably not much going on over there. It's rough. I do my other show I moved the mic down the street to the seven thirty tavern though, which is kinda of, it's on Mass Ave, kind of closer to Improv Boston. And they're still open. They're still going. So, you know, I don't know. So seven thirty tavern, that's the old tavern in the square. Mm-hmm. I used to DJ there. I DJ there for five years, Friday and Saturday nights. Oh, cool. Yeah, and one day I got a phone call saying, um, we don't need your services anymore. And I go, oh, can you just move? They're like, well, we're just closing. And I guess it was the original Tavern in the Square as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they just decided they were going to close it down. And then one day I was in Mass Ave, and all of a sudden I seen this new place open up. And I was like, oh, where do you guys do it? Do you do it in the back corner, like in the main section? No, we do it in the, in the like, function room. So oh, okay. That's yeah. actually a great idea. Do you know, I, I got to tell you, when I was yeah. DJing there, I had proposed an idea for an open mic there about a hundred times to the managers there and they wanted nothing to do with it. Really? Yeah. And I said, and he goes, this is a great location because it's, it's not, you're not having a hostage audience. You can actually yeah. have people just go there if they want. You're not taking over a restaurant, right? Yeah. And I go, it's a cool little room. It's a perfect, intimate little, it has a brick wall on the back. You could probably, you know, hold like maybe 20 people if you really wanted to. You could pack it up a little bit more, you know, it's because I used to do the friggin', uh, the paint shops over there. They used to, you know, all the, yeah, you know, the middle-aged women would go and paint pictures and shit. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Drinking paint. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we started doing, me and Lee McGurk did started doing a show there on Wednesdays. That was, uh, when I was still at the other place that fell into the river mm-hmm. and they, we, you know, we, so we were doing just like a book show that was, um, was going pretty well. And then we just, you know, when I, things, uh, fell apart with the other place, I, you know, I already had a relationship with them, so they let me. They let me do the Tuesday show, and the Tuesday show was it ended up being really fun. And it really was like having a separate room was a huge deal because at the other place, it was like you know a long room, and so comics would yeah. be in the back talking, not realizing that they're still because it felt like you were in a different room when you're in the back. It did. But yeah, you weren't. It was, you know, it was so it's really- nice to have another bar where comics can hang out and just talk about other shows that they're not at and not distract the show that's that's currently happening it reminded me of the um because that's a great idea because the way you just described it reminds me of the vault remember the vault over off of mm-hmm. Boylston street well you could okay. have like downstairs and then, and then they had the back room we could go hang out with the comics so we can go upstairs to the regular restaurant and just have a drink up there and not disturb anyone who's downstairs yeah that's key because i've run that was a cool room i i never yeah. had a good time there but i, I the room was cool it did I look- I went a lot of times. My buddy, uh, Eric, used to, back in before I started, he was doing comedy. And uh, Don Zola, I'm sure you know him. Oh, yeah. North Shore's uh, legend, as we call him up here. Yeah. This dog is the area. Um, Don Zola. Yeah, I used to run a bunch of shows there, uh, you know, once a week or so. We used to, and my buddy would be on there, we'd pop in and watch like, back in my college days. But uh, yeah, Don Zola, he was a, uh, he's a, he's a funny uh, individual, I guess to say so. Yeah, yeah, he's a character. So you a Boston guy, born and raised, all, always down yeah. there? I'm from like uh, just south of Boston originally, but I've lived in this room for 22 years. Okay. Yeah. You have a nice, you have a nice record collection I see you got going on yes. in there, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got nice. a lot of records. I worked at a record store for a long time, so. Nice. Still nice. Did you ever check out that uh, record place that's on Mass Ave right over there uh, with the tavern? The tavern is 730. It's like two. Oh, yeah. It's like a strip mall down, like a block down next. I think it's near yeah. the place that you don't want to speak of. I think it's over there. That place is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That place was cool. I remember yeah. that place. 
that old area it's kind of kind of hipsterish but cool hipsterish i guess you could say you know it's kind of sure. like a I used to love to even mean really. It really means nothing these days. I think. I think yeah. it's all kind of just like now, now, the now. I guess you could say the now. It's what we do now. You know? It's just. Like, I just want them to stop extending the bike lane. You have enough space. Just stop. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I ride a bike a lot, and I kind of liked when it was the Wild West, and like, you, you know. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I don't want yeah. it to be the Wild West, but I'm like, I feel like it just. Keeps I don't know, extending. man. <laughs> I just like always rode my bike, assuming every car on the road was trying to kill me. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, you know, but now it's like there's bike lanes, which is, I guess, nice, but also like sometimes they'll like give you a ticket for running a red light on a bike, which is like, yeah, I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm trying to get ahead of the traffic cause it's safer that way. Bro, I gotta tell you, uh, oh, I, we, me and him working at Charlestown. So over the summer, a couple of years ago, I decided I was going to take one of those blue bikes and go for a ride. So I was like on my lunch break, it was a beautiful summer day. So I, I go, and I have never ridden a bike in Boston before. I've always in the suburbs. And I get on this blue bike and I'm pedaling, going over the Charlestown Bridge, going over to North Station. And I got to tell you, that was quite the adventure. Like, this car's just trying yeah. to kill you. I don't like walking over that bridge. Yeah, it's really scary. It's you un- know what's even un- more insane is right by us, too. We're in the city near the, near the sheriff's building. Mm-hmm. And, like, there is a bike lane around a rotary. What idiot during a meeting let that get through like yeah you know what let's approve this around that's suicide i'm gonna kill one of these people one day there's a bike lane around a fucking rotary that's kind of dangerous probably should just be abolished they don't have the most i thought we were getting rid of rotaries and but then this weekend i was up in bangor maine and uh i we got off this exit like all these exits we were getting off of from like from portland north every exit instead of having a light has a rotary and there were brand new rotaries that had to be constructed like within the last few years yeah, was it a rotary or a roundabout that's a good question thing. no they're different so the a rotary you enter at an angle whereas a roundabout they have roundabouts all over the world roundabouts yeah. you end is like you know it's like it's like it's the it's it's like spokes you know so it's like you know it's a circle and there's you know like, like it looks like a like a like a sun that a really stupid child drew okay but a roundabout you <laughs> enter at an angle so you can get into the circle already at 40 miles oh, no. so okay. that's, that's, i never knew the definition i just thought the I roundabout was what the uh the southerners called them yeah no it's different they don't have rotaries anyplace else because they're so dangerous yeah they're a rotary they're a roundabout rotary is a roundabout that you can enter already at maximum speed well, I was trying to explain to my wife, who's from Tennessee, about mm-hmm. these rotaries when she first moved up here. And I was telling her, I'm like, they're derived from back in the day when you had horse-drawn carriages because you couldn't do a three-point turn with a horse, horse carriage. You had to go around in a circle yeah. and continue on your, your destination. And basically, when they invented cars, they just paved over the horse tracks. And that's why Boston looks like a mess because they're basically horse paths. They were just paved, and we call them streets at this point. Never yeah. think, you know, but... Yeah, you never see them. You, I, I think. I mean, really, what it is with Boston is just that it hasn't burned down in kind of a long time. That's true. You know, like every other city burns down, and when it, and then when they're rebuilding, they're like, let's make this a grid. Yeah. But, yeah. The problem it. with the rotary in general is like people need to, people coming on need to learn the difference between yield and merge. Mm-hmm. Like they just some people just blow right on. I must get one accident every month because someone yeah. just blows right on. They're very dangerous. But then there's also part of me that just I'm such a New Englander that I'm just like. I kind of like that we've got this stupid archaic thing that doesn't make any yeah. sense because that's so much of what New England is about is just like sticking yeah. with things that we shouldn't stick with, you know? I love right. seeing like a, and I played from like Iowa trying mm-hmm. to attempt a rotary and I just like yeah. lose right by him and I just, 
I just giggle because they're going to be stuck there for a long time before they can get yeah. into it and not know how to get out. <laughs> oh, the worst is being stuck behind someone with a plate from Ohio trying to get into a rotary because yeah. you're like, you just have to feel unsafe for a while. <laughs> you, ju- you can't just sit here all day. You just have to get in there and think you're going to die for nope. just a couple seconds and then you'll be fine. Just lean on the gas and yep. don't even look out, look real quick and then go. Because they'll eventually, most times, will stop for you. But, you know, most stop for you? I've never seen anyone stop for anyone in a rotary. No, that's that's, well, at that's least, dangerous. At least slow down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do, yeah, you, you have, that's the point of rotaries. It has to be constantly moving. Yeah. We were uh, up in Revere, the at Bell Circle. There was this rotary that now it's, it's been split up into like five series of lights that kind of break it up. But yeah, when I yeah. was a kid... It was a giant intersection between like Route 60, 1A, uh, Route 16. It would all converge in like these seven points into this rotary. And it was just a rotary. And I remember just like as a kid, like thinking, like, how am I ever going to get a license and drive? Like, I'll avoid this intersection for the rest of my life because I don't want I'm like the anxiety watching someone approach this rotary was just like enough to be like, I'm going to avoid this at all. It's funny, like, like I, I re- sometimes I'll remember learning how to drive, like I, and how difficult things were that now, like I used, so there, I live in, uh, I live in, in Jamaica Plain and I grew up in uh, Easton and Stoughton, Massachusetts, which are like just, just south yeah. of, uh, of Boston. And so uh, sometimes to go home to my, like to, when my dad was alive, when I go visit him, I would, uh, there were a couple different routes I would t- I could take. The easiest, straight, most straight ahead is Route 138. It's a straight line. It's not a highway. It's easy. Um, but and or I could go all the way into the city, which is like pretty far east, and get onto 93. Or I could go, oh, like the most kind of the most direct route was to take 120 to to uh, take 28 and then get onto 95 and then get to go to 24. But oh, yeah. the thing is, when you would enter uh, not 95, 90. Uh, 93 when you enter 93 you would enter you know you enter on the right side and then you have to get off 24 on the left side and it's about a like maybe a quarter of a mile so you get on and within like maybe six seconds you have to merge over four lanes and I remember (laughs) when I was you know in my my teens and early 20s like I would get on and it would be so I would be so stressed out and so scared and sometimes I would just miss it and I'd have to go up another exit yeah. and get off and come back. Uh, but now I like do it easy. It's never, I never, I, it doesn't stress me out. Yeah. I had the reverse. I used to work in the South Shore Plaza a couple of times a week and I had to go back up to uh, Revere. So that's opposite. You get on, on the right, but you have to take the 93 North is completely four or five lanes to the left. Yeah. And like, I know what you're saying, like if you sit there and you're hesitant, but nowadays you sit there and now you can kind of judge it and you just kind of one lane yeah at a time and the yeah. first my first time my wife seen that she was like she's like, how are you gonna make it and it's only like a half a mile i go ah you just you feel your way over and she's like <laughs> you know you kind of that's the best way to explain it though yeah. kinda, like yeah, you, you just kind of wedge your way over and she goes what happened to you miss it i go well, then you just get off the next exit like you said and you turn around and you yeah. come back that way i go but i go but that's the only way you can do it i go cause know that you're trying to get over so if you're aggressive enough hopefully the person behind you will slow down and allow you a little bit of ease to get in there but if they don't then you just gotta yeah. kind of it's all it's like, so weird. Sometimes people will speed up so you can't get over. Assholes. That's what they're yeah. Assholes. So weird. <laughs> Crazy. Like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you fuck. Stop it from happening. And then they'll no cut reason. you off and go right. <laughs> yeah, you do that. <laughs> oh, man. I always try to be conscientious on the road, but sometimes it's hard because people are stupid. 
So, so you've been a JP for so so many years at this point that you've seen a complete uh, turnaround at this point. Because I remember as a kid, JP was kind of a it was a it was a an area that was cheaper. Yeah, it was cheaper, but it was it, yeah it was it was in the process of being I guess redeveloped I guess or turned around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that that's great. I like I I always liked the neighborhood. I was you know, it's definitely there's more dog bakeries now. Uh, so if you you know <laughs> yeah when I first moved here if you wanted to get a pastry for your, for your dog bakery. yeah they exist to, I mean you'd have to you just couldn't do it you'd have to leave the neighborhood yeah now if you want to if you want pastries for your dog easy to get yeah it's coffee shops and dog pastries it's an coffee. animal that eats its own shit do you really think it cares if it eats at a gourmet like at a bakery <laughs> some people do care I, I I've listened I've I, you're correct 100 percent correct Adam I've given my dog his typical food he gets every morning. And then sometimes we'll, we'll go and we'll go to a little dog bakery. We'll get him a cake for his birthday. And he enjoys the dog food he gets every morning just as much as he enjoys the cake he got. And there's no differences. I went one's the, fine. But I did. I actually, I, I don't have a dog, but I did go into the dog bakery. And one, one thing that they had that I thought was pretty funny was they had, it's like kind of like a raw hide type thing. It's in a twist and they call it a pork Twizzler. Is uh, it's like the second least popular flavor of Twizzler yeah. after uh, after black licorice. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely disgusted. Yeah, the dogs, dog beaks. Yeah, so I guess the, I, a lot of people agree with you when I ask them that question about neighborhoods they live in now that used to be kind of like the you know I'm not I, I could say rugged you know more of like kind of a unique yeah, area just, of town whatever you know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it was. I, I, I never felt unsafe, but I don't know. I'm, a, I'm like a guy. I don't know. I've definitely yeah. been attacked way more in my hometown than I have been. Really? In JP. Yeah. I know. Stoughton's a little rough sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. What time of year you allow that? <laughs> I don't know. I never, I, I, never, I never felt unsafe here. I guess once, one time like, someone did uh, like, try to rob me, I guess, when I was, I was probably like 20. And I was going, this is, this will give you an idea how long ago the story happened. I was, uh, I walked, the train station is about a block from my house and there's a mailbox there. So I was walking down to the mailbox to mail my utility check. Uh, so that lets you know how long ago the story occurred. And I, uh, I just gotten money for all the utilities for my roommates and, and wrote a check. And so the money was still in my pocket. So I just happened to have like way more cash in my pocket than I would ever have. Cause I just didn't like take it out of my pocket when I, when I yeah. wrote the check and put it in the envelope. And so this, these like two kids come up to me and they're, they're like, they just kind of like rushed up to me and they were like, like, give me your money. And I normally, I probably would have just been like, okay, yeah. but I just had too much money on me. Like I just couldn't <laughs> wow. afford to lose that much money. So I just was like, no, I no. And then one of the kids said, don't mess with me. I got shot five times. And I was like, well, you should go to the hospital. And then the other kid said, come on, man, let's go. And they both ran away. I like he was, that advertised that he was that? Being, I like how you advertised that he was shot. Like it's not like he shot people five times. He's been shot yeah. five times, which I don't I'm know. Trying to, I'm trying to think of how much money I would need to have on me. Cause my natural instinct would be yes to give it to, I don't want to get stabbed. And I'm trying to think of how much money I would need to have on me for me to actually be against this like yeah. i was just i was so poor at that point that i was, oh yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. Like, i mean yeah. it was like i i was you know i was gonna drop off the check and then i was gonna uh the plan was to go 
walk it's like a, a two blocks further to go deposit the money because if i didn't the check wouldn't clear you know yeah that's yeah. horrible dude that's horrible Oof. those yeah. situations definitely uh, i remember one time i was in indianapolis and i was leaving a strip club at three o'clock in the morning and and i had the same thing some guy walked out of the bus station that was across from that i'm by myself and i'm like and he i can hear him yelling at me and I started walking fast and I crossed the street and then he started crossing the street. So like fight or flight kicked in for me. I was like, I don't want to deal with this guy right now. So I literally put my head down and I ran as fast as I could. Like just ran. He could have shot me. Like, I don't know if you yeah, there's no shame in that dude. Yeah. You don't want to die. No, <laughs> I, I just correct me. If I'm wrong. I don't know a lot about strip clubs, but it seems like you'd want to rob a person Entering a strip club, right. not leaving. Oh, because yeah. I had I had no money. It was the end. Put this way, it was the end of my trip, my little road trip I was on. I had no money. I literally spent my last hundred dollars on a lap dance at the at the Red Gotter in down. Hundred dollars. And Is that how the lap dance cost? Well, I was, please do tell. Well, I was hoping, how lap dance. <laughs> here's the deal. I was hoping there was some extras involved, but apparently I didn't get the memo that they don't do that there after she took my hundred dollars. So Sucks. yeah, yeah. And the whole reason I went in there because it was the only place that had the Celtics uh, Orlando Magic uh, Eastern Conference Finals game on in the entire city of Indianapolis. And I watched it on a 13-inch TV. And then that I, it really sounds like a, just a sort of an updated version of reading Playboy for the articles. <laughs> right, it was for basketball. <laughs> babe, babe, I just watched the basketball. Bro, that's was, right, bro. The game was over. The, the girls kept coming up to me like, you hear, I'm like, I'm here just to watch the game. And there's this little TV. It looked like a closed circuit TV. Like when it was like, and I'm like sitting there and it's like all staticky and everything that. And Are then, you old enough to remember like, uh, like bus station TVs? It was exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah, exactly. And then the Celtics had lost and I was just kind of bumming out. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just hang out in the strip club for a while. And I was like, all right, it's my last day of vacation. I'm flying out tomorrow. And I sat there and this girl was very, very convinced that she liked me. And then uh, next thing you know, it, I was uh, hitting the ATM, my last $100 of the trip. And uh, so basically the guy would have basically got a, uh, a credit card that was, was over its limit already, um, an ID, which would have been more of an inconvenience for me because I wouldn't be able to fly the next day. Um, but that was about it. It would have been a very, very... Uh, wasteful mugging if you will <laughs> but i remember being scared out of my ass i was so scared i remember just running and yeah. running and i could see my hotel from a distance and i just ran and i got to the lobby of the hotel and i was like holy shit i'm like that was like the scariest moment of my life are you convinced that the guy was definitely gonna try and rob you no like well he oh, yeah. the only reason i was convinced was because i he was following me and then i crossed the street he crossed the street then i crossed back then he crossed back and then i started oh, running and, he said, and then he said hey get back here white boy so I was kind of, I, I, 99% chance he was going to mug me. I mean, he yeah, could I, like, I love the idea that he's behind you. Like you dropped your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might've just wanted directions, but at three o'clock in the morning, maybe it was 3 PM. I probably would be like, yeah, sure. Cause I've talked yeah. to, I've talked to bums before, like in the, in the middle of the day, like in central square and had conversation with him. But I don't think I would do the same exact thing 12 hours later, you know, Hard. it was like two o'clock in the morning. I don't know if I'd be so open to help this person out because it's just dark. It's no, nothing good is happening at that no. hour. Nothing good. No. Two o'clock in the afternoon. I figure there's enough people around. So if stuff goes down, eh, maybe I could at least get a witness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, that, yeah, that's, it is scary though. I've, I've definitely run from people before. <laughs> I mean, you have to, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. it's a natural instinct sometimes. I'm right? a small man. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fighter. 
Yeah, and a lot of you know most of us, I don't think have fighters. I don't think we want to yeah, I think deep down, none of us want confrontation. Yeah. Some of us act like we do more than anybody else, but we're hoping that like they'll just back down. Oh, I know people really, that that want it. <laughs> no, they say that. I don't think anybody truly, really does though. I, I think some people do. There's exceptions to every rule, but I think for the most part, people might act like they do, but they really don't. They're just peacocking. That's what I think. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I guess people want to fight that they can win. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely been. Yeah, I've been attacked a few times, but I think it's because like people look at me and they're like, "No threat." Like, really feel good if I just pound this guy. I'm have just you got, laugh right now. I'm like, have you ever like, gotten thirty-eight? I'm not fighting anybody. Have yeah, you ever yeah. seen any aggressive uh, hecklers like at a comedy show? Like anyone who was like, like physically wants to like fight you after the show or something? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, I, I mean at the at the at the mic that mic that you used to go to. Yeah, happened a lot. And like so, how how do you do? How do you like uh, diffuse the situation before it gets? Well, the thing through? about that situation is like, uh, is I'm, you know, I'm hosting this open mic, and people show up and they're just like, oh, it's an open mic. They don't really think much about it. Like they they don't realize that like I'm there every week, and everyone in the sh- in the room knows me, and I'm the person that's like putting in this work to get them on stage. So like, I I I like. One time a guy threw a full glass of beer at me. Um, well, who, he, who was coming from, from EMF, the guy that did it. But oh. uh, <laughs> he, yeah, he just like threw an entire like pint glass of beer at me. And uh, luckily the glass didn't hit me, but all of the beer did. Oh, Jesus. And, um, but, but, uh, and that, was, that was like pretty quick, escalated pretty quick and got violent almost immediately. But uh, – Every other time that like someone's threatened me, I've felt pretty comfortable there because it's just it's a room full of like full of, you know, like 22 year old guys that like me and are also 22. So they're just like, I want to fight, you know, yeah, and, that uh, testosterone was raging through their body to beat someone up. Yeah, it's just, you know, so I, I never it never I, in that. I mean, I've been been threat. I've been threatened uh, in Maine and felt felt scared. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Like, I've I've been to shows not performing but like as a spectator, and I've seen like audience members just get to that point. Especially in, in uh, the comedy cellar down in, in New York, it was a typical place. I've, every almost every time, because I always go see like the late show, like the midnight show. Yeah, and you get a bunch of like drunk, like you know, meathead New Jersey, you know, you know, Sopranos looking guys in the back, and then they just they won't shut their fucking mouths, and they just just going off causing a problem for everyone in the place and everything and then you know when they're told to stay quiet you know they're going to be removed they get very aggressive and very like hostile yeah. to the host or the comedian on stage and i, I truly there. believe like interrupting a live performance like that is like one of the rudest things you could fucking oh. do like even if, like i don't know why that bothers me like a lot though like it's just extremely fucking rude like you're bringing all yeah. the attention isn't supposed to be about you right now it's supposed to be about the people on the stage and here you are directing attention towards you like that just fucking pisses me off <laughs> I, yeah I, I get it i mean i yeah I, I get why it shouldn't be encouraged but also uh, i always like when it happens oh well, yeah if you got yeah. something to throw back and get you you're ready to go locked and loaded then yeah you can have fun with that yeah well i mean i'm not even like aggressive about it i just i i, I don't know i like when uh something unexpected happens i i like i like the live aspect of comedy i like when like you know something that uh, I like when something happens that I have to react to and yeah. that pushes me to like think in, on my feet and be in the moment. 
You know, there's a line there though. You don't want them throwing glasses of beer at you. <laughs> I don't like that. I <laughs> but there's a line. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it definitely like there's there's like there's a lot of different types of heckling, and there's like the type of heckling where it's like someone just like making noise or something like that, and then when you try to engage with them, they just like they like act like it wasn't them that did the thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh no, I just want to talk. What's like what what, what were you saying? Yeah, they chicken. And they they just like and, and then you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll go back to my joke then. And then you start to go back to your joke, and they're like, Whoa! and and you're yeah. like, well, you're just you're just like purposely throwing me off my rhythm, but not giving me anything to actually work with. Yeah, that's frustrating. But you know, people suck. But you know, I like what you said though. At least you know, like when someone's heckling, you, like majority of the crowd's gonna be on your side, anyways. So you can say whatever yeah. you want, or just you know, <laughs> well, especially at an open mic that I'm hosting, you know. Exactly. But I've definitely seen comics on shows that they weren't hosting, um, like react to, uh, to a heckle in a way that uh, oh. flipped that. Yeah. The audience turned against them. I was actually at one in Boston at the old Comedy Connection in Fanny mm-hmm. Hall, and uh, someone was heckling a comedian. I don't really remember who it was. It was like 15, 20 years ago. And uh, he was a New York comedian, and the guy was just heckling in the back. And then the, guy, the comedian just lost his mind and just started like, shitting on Boston. And yeah, I think that crowd turned real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird thing to do to just be like, like one guy's being an asshole and you're just like, this whole city yeah. sucks. Like, so was it Michael Richards? Fuck, fuck. It, was, <laughs> it was all, yeah, it was like that. It was like Michael Richards with all the racism, but mostly the uh, derogatory statements to Boston. Then you had all these people like, wait, what the fuck? What the, what the fuck? That, was, that just ended very poorly. But uh, fucking. But all right. Uh, so Rob, I seen you have a album. Because I was yes, caught by your attention, you are you are on the corner of it looks like somewhere in Boston holding a sign. Yeah, said, um, this is you're not you know a druggie or a alcoholic. You just want people to uh, have you on the podcast and stuff and yep. check out your website. So uh, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so I have a couple albums out. Um, well, about the about the albums or about the, about yeah, no, about everything. Yeah, I'm curious about the the, re- the I mean, that's a great idea. I could getting people's attention, I guess, on visually. Uh, but uh, yeah, tell you know, it, uh, so yeah, I, I, I have a couple albums out on Dead and Mellow Records on deadandmellow.com. Uh, I have uh, like two and a half albums. You can buy them individually or you can buy a bundle that's $18. It's all three of them. And it's uh, two out. It's like one of them. I have an EP that I recorded in 2011 that's uh, pretty rough, but I just think it's still pretty funny called uh, Bottle Baby and His Cry Cry Stories. And then I have two uh, newer recordings. They both came out last year, but were recorded a, a few years ago. One of them is called uh, Sadly Sacraton, and the other one is called Local Personality. Uh, Sadly Sacraton is pretty sad, uh, as is Bottle Baby and His Cry Cry Stories. And then Local Personality is just, you know, regular stand-up comedy jokes. Yeah, that's cool. I like the idea. Would you come up with the idea of the... Uh, I, 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 I was going to say, how do you come up with the idea of the cardboard box and having people give you attention? But I guess you could just drive through any neighborhood in Boston and see someone with a cardboard Exactly. Yeah. I just was, I was driving home. I was in Mattapan and I saw a guy with a sign and I was like, Oh, I should, I should do that. Yeah. Did, has that, did you grab a lot of attention to get a lot of street people popping in just seeing your, uh, uh sign absolutely not. I, I, I mean, I did it. That's in front of my house. So okay. I'm, just, I'm on the four corner. I live on a corner and those are the four corners that are outside of my house. Yeah. And, uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I made the video, to make it look like I was out there for a while, but it was, I probably shot the entire thing in like six minutes. So I don't think I got any attention. But a lot of people have watched the video, which is really the main reason that I did it. That's the key anyways, is the video. Yeah. Yeah. So people see it and they're like, I, I was scrolling through the other day and I was, you know, I was like, oh, I was like, oh that's interesting. 
Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's one way to uh, get people's attention, I guess, like that. So, yeah. But uh, hopefully it works out for you. Hopefully you grab some attention. And uh... yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to let people know that I wasn't going to use the podcast money to buy drugs or alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet podcast money. That's a, that's a funny thing. Rolling. Yeah, rolling dope. You don't want to be one of those scammers who are taking all the money and, uh, you know, so we were just talking earlier before the show uh, about uh, Dustin Diamond, Screech, yeah. who you're familiar with, who um, towards like the middle of his career decided to do stand-up comedy. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with any of this at all? I never heard him. Did you hear his stand-up comedy? I, I didn't. But over the course of the days, I've been hearing stories from other comedians who were, he was basically like a guy who had no material, but he was kind of just headlining shows because of his name and some comedy clubs liked it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. I like there. There's so many people that do. There's like tons of like wrestlers that do it now. Yeah. So I was going to ask uh, your opinion on that. How do you do? You feel like you're being sidelined by these non-comics, or do you I mean, feel I, like? I think anything that can make that can, you know, keep comedy clubs open is good. I, I yeah. think you know. First of all, I mean, first of all, it's like if if the person is smart at all, they are probably paying stand-ups to help them work out material. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know maybe they aren't maybe they aren't. and and i think also i think those shows are probably really entertaining yeah. and it's kind of like you know i'm sure it's not exactly stand up comedy but it's people that have interesting lives i'm sure telling interesting stories about their lives and it's probably pretty engaging and uh and yeah i mean i don't know man if I, like i don't I, I mean like if mick foley wants to headline a, a comedy club I'm not like, oh man, but that but that could have been going to Bobby Kelly. Like I'm like, yeah. well, you know, that's that's great. They have Bobby Kelly next week, and and usually they also will have an opener and stuff. So you know, it gives other comics work, and it you know it gets you know those the you know the host and the feature get to perform in front of a sold out yeah. crowd that's excited to see a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's great because it's still bringing attention to the show that you're a part of. Like, yeah, you can still yeah exactly. It's great. Yeah, Mick Foley's probably a bad example because he's like. Unusually likable, yeah. uh, but there's like other. I don't know if like Stevo, like Stevo is doing a show. Great, have fun. Go see. I'd go. I would go see Stevo if it was free. Nick Foley would definitely sell at the Kowloon Comedy Club because he the yeah. the WWE loves the Kowloon after their shows. It's a, it's a really thing to go. apparently uh-huh. after he, uh, every time they do a show in in Boston, like a Raw or whatever like that. A lot of the wrestlers will go up to the Kowloons and hang out in the lounge and drink and like because I guess it's like. The, the son of the owner of Kowloon's, Andy Wong, is a huge WWE fan, and he just brings him up there, and he decayed for him. And for years, this has been something that's been going on. And right. with, uh, with uh, Cena, obviously from this area up in the North Shore, he stops yeah. there all the time and stuff. So if there's ever a, uh, an event in Boston, um, go up to the Kowloon's afterwards, and be sure to see a wrestler or two. Yeah, but uh, who was uh, that? Who was that chick? The she was the porn star that Trump allegedly. Has- oh, um. What's her name? Um, she was doing stand-up shows. I guess they were like stand-up shows in Quince. Yeah. Because they weren't really like whatever. Who cares? I'm sure. I'm sure that she worked hard and that they were probably entertaining for the people that came out to see them. And uh, like, funny, was, right? was did she did she have the chops to of to be headlining? Who who cares? Yeah. That's not why people are going to see her. Uh, what was her? Yeah, what was her name? She's uh, she was a porn star, right? That yeah. was her claim to fame, and then she decided to. Uh, um, do you remember this lady? Points. It's 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 on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I get. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't think of her name. She was in. Uh, she was in the Four Year Old Virgin. Uh, there's a porn chick in that. She's like, yeah, she's got a cameo in it. Oh, I wouldn't. I don't know. Oh, Stormy Daniels. That's yes. it. Stormy Daniels. That's it. Yes. 
Yes. Oh, right, that's interesting. I was just curious about a comics perspective on uh, of people who aren't technically branded as comics taking shows and stuff. Because I've heard over the like last few days, I guess, just because of the whole Dustin Diamond thing, and that was, yeah. I was hearing different comics, different point of views on their opinions on it. But like you made a good point. I mean, it does help the open air and the mids, and it helps the venues to stay open. Yeah. And it brings money in, I guess. You know, so yeah, I'm not I'm not against anything that's helping comedy clubs stay in business. Yeah. So back on like the improv Boston real quick before we uh, have to wrap up. Um, is there any, do you know of any, uh, any feature for it? Is there any, you know, are they planning on doing anything or? Well, I mean, I think it's too early to have plans cause it's still, we're not out of this, you know, I mean, it, I think, I think that, you know, improv Boston is technically still a nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. but they just, they're, they're, they're just dormant right now because they, they can't afford to, keep running because they're not there's nothing bringing in money so um but i'm sure once the pandemic ends if it ever ends um which it might not uh who knows right yeah Um, i mean it really i don't know i was just on their website and they have a message up they said improv boston organization will remain intact with a small office space storage in central square um, the hope is by June, we can revive the same spirit the theater captured nearly 40 years ago, performed in downtown Boston and small venues in Somerville during the eighties and nineties. So, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 but I'm sure, I'm sure they're not, I can't imagine they're like looking at spaces now because yeah, probably not. it's still, you yeah, know, it's still too early, yeah. but they did have to like, they dismantled the, the space uh, on prospect street and it's, you know, it's, it's a bummer. I spent yeah. a lot of nice moments in that place on stage and in the audience too. It's, it's, it's yeah. just sad to see something like that go. I'm sure for you yeah. as well. It's just, uh, you it's know, tough. yeah. I mean, it was, you know, that was a big source of my, you know, a, a lot of my income came from teaching there over the years and, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, I just always had a great time there and everyone I've, I've met so many cool people there that, uh, and yeah, I don't know. Well, I've, I I've think a lot when, of class there. I've taken a lot of, a lot of improv classes and sketch classes there. Yeah. Yeah. It was always fun. Well, I'm thinking once all this stuff is uh, said and done, hopefully uh, in the near future, hopefully sooner or later, people will just be wanting to go back out and see comedy and maybe there'll be a little bit of a renaissance uh, in the near future hope, for all this, yeah. hopefully, right? You know? I hope so. I mean, I'm skeptical just because I think it's going to, I don't think it's ever going to go back to normal. I think it's going to be, we're going to have to keep wearing masks and being distanced and stuff for a long time. Yeah. And uh, it's going to make, I don't know, profit margins were already so tight with, running shows that it's like yeah. i don't know i don't know if all of a sudden you you have to try and operate with you know reduced capacity audiences i don't know how that's going to be profitable for anyone yeah uh so just wanted to bring it down to a real low note to yeah. end the podcast really uh, i wanted to <laughs> just remind people that uh you can get my album sadly sacratin it's an extremely depressing stand-up comedy <laughs> album uh on deadmel.com there you go well, Rob, thank you for joining us tonight in short notice. We really appreciate you coming in. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Guys, everyone out there, check out Rob's albums. Go to his site. Support local comedy. Let's uh, bring this thing back in 2021 and make it a fucking crazy comedy scene back here in Boston area. Because that's uh, we all need a laugh, especially after the last uh, few years we've been involved in. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Stay in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks so much, uh, guys. I'll see you later. See ya. Have a good night. Take care. Cool. Should I? There we go. All right, Mr. Mallet. Uh, 
going on? Another show in the book? Yes, sir. The day another dollar. Yes, I should sir. get my keyboard. I need my, like, I'm always turning. I really I know. Yeah, yeah. Like over here. I need another screen. I got to really do something about this. You know? I'm, I'm watching the moment Michael Richards killed his career. But yeah. it's exactly what happened. Like, I totally I hadn't seen this in so long because he has the crowd at first. He does. Everyone's laughing because he's going back at the heckler. And then he drops the N-word. Yeah. And the, everyone goes, oh. Oof. <laughs> In, in a matter of like a, a syllable, his career. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. he was like we were talking about with Rob. He he wasn't necessarily a stand-up comedy, a comic. He was kind of like a performance actor who just decided he was going to do some stand-up. And you got to know how to handle hecklers. That's the worst part. And, and people, some people can and some people can't. And it's very, I mean, it's just picture you being on stage doing something. And someone just picture you being at work and someone just comes over to your computer and just starts whacking your keyboard. You know what I mean? Like in the middle of working. Like, <laughs> I mean like you. Smacking <laughs> shit out of the way or just like completely distracting you from what the hell you're focused on. And then like you have to like try to compose yourself and like, you know, but. I'd pull a Ty Cobb and just go into the stands and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> or like the uh, the Bruins in the 80s when they in Montreal when they came into the stands and was beating the guy with his own shoe. Oh. Who was that? Was that Sprewell? He had a short fuse. Who was that basketball player that went in the crowd after that? Oh, Sprewell, yeah. He, he was, was it him? There was somebody else who did it, too. Uh, uh, oh, speaking of um, basketball players, did you see LeBron being a little bitch yesterday? LeBron being a bitch? No. Why would so, he LeBron, um, I think they were in Denver. They were in somewhere. The cat, uh, Lakers were playing on the road. No, they were in, um, fuck, what was the city? Atlanta. I'm sorry, Atlanta. And these housewives had courtside seats. And we're like heckling him, like screaming at him. And um, he did not like it very much. And he went on and called him a Karen. And then he later had to apologize. But like, but, but I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious, but I thought that it was even funnier that he got so sensitive, sensitive that these middle-aged women were, were heckling him. It might not be what it was about. After a while, it just might've annoyed the shit out of him. It probably you know? did. Yeah. But like at the same time, it's like it's you got to realize to compose yourself. I guess like you're not gonna courtside Karen, because <laughs> you, you're not gonna you, as an athlete, you're never gonna win that situation, right? You know what I mean? Because you're never gonna come out as the winner because people you're gonna it, like that's people are just gonna yell at you for your career. Like just well, think I, I'm looking at part of the problem was she took her mask off to do it. Oh, but like you know how people are put your mask on. I'm surprised they even have fans down the line. I was more fascinated by that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, but uh, you put your mask on. Come on, LeBron. He's an example of someone I don't want to raise my son like. I hope my son is someday as talented in something as LeBron is in basketball. Yes, I do hope that is true. But I do hope that I raise my son to have more of an uh, a, uh, open-minded uh, look on society and not such a closed mind bumble like LeBron was in his entire life where he was basically focused on, he was put on a pedestal his entire life. Like his shit don't stink at like the age of five and on. And when you do that to a child, they don't r- get raised correctly or properly. They get raised like they can do anything they want. And then there's no, um, it's con- con- you know, there's no, not, there's, there's no controversy or there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for here when you do something consequences of like your actions right yeah and i don't think lebron ever had that i think he was just coddled his entire life so like when something simple like this happened like a angry woman yelling from a few you know over at him instead of just sitting there laughing about it he gets very very defensive about it you know i mean you know 
he doesn't look very good. And not that he looks very good anyways of the things you've said over the years. Like he doesn't look, he doesn't look like he's in touch with the with the people that follow him. You know what I mean? Definitely not. He's not a people person, but I thought that was pretty funny. Like he had to call someone a Karen. Okay, LeBron, relax. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you ignored the situation and didn't even mention it, no one would have even been talking about it right now. It would just be another day in paradise for you. You know what I mean? That's true. But I don't know. They just, people just very, I guess they're all wired different these days, you know? They can't be like you and I, you know? Cool as a cucumber. Yeah, you're getting angry at girls in Dunkin' Donuts lines. You tell us where the line is. <laughs> we talked about that last week. Or was that after the show? That was after. That was that was after. We didn't talk about that. Huh? Real quick, because we have a few. We're, we're a little over time here. We and Adam are very angry at this girl. So the Dunkin' Donuts we frequent has had a sign that said no more than five people in there, and we were like, okay. And then one day they crossed out the five and they wrote a three, but no one was really. A buy by and by it was kind of like uh yeah but we came and you know i mean it wasn't like you were having 20 people in there there might have been like maybe four people maybe five people in there but no you know no worry made a big deal so we're, we go to the dunkin donuts and we make our way in and there's a crowd of people outside and the girl goes the line's over there yeah. and we look and there was these two older gentlemen who didn't even know a line existed and they're like oh yeah. there's a line to get in here and she wasn't even in it. Maybe it would have been something if she was actually in the line and she was just telling us, you know, it's behind us. It's like, okay, sorry to cut you. That would have made sense, but she wasn't even in the fucking line. That's what made us mad. She wasn't in the line. That must be it, because we were, we were really annoyed by that. I was like, if you were in the line and we were cutting you, I understand that, but you weren't in a line. Your friend was in there getting their food. So who yeah. are you to please? Who put you in charge of the, of the Dunkin' Donuts line? And, and it, it, it bothered us. It, it did. Bothers me. It shouldn't have, but it did. Like, I wish I could say something. I, 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 like, I, I'm thinking now of all the things I could have said back to her. Like, I, I'm sorry. Are you the, the queen of the Dunkin' Donuts line? Like, I, I'm sorry. Did you get put in charge of the line? I'm sorry. Are you, even I'm sorry. Are you in line? That would have been perfect. I should have said to her, don't talk to me. And just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks later, it still bothers. It still bothers us for some reason. <laughs> It's the little things. She won, Artie. She won. I guess so. I guess she walked away and she won that battle. Good for her. You know, <laughs> we may never see her again, and she may never know we're talking about her. So you know, maybe we won. That's the way to do it. Mr. Mallet, anything you're plugging in particularly in this fine? You could always, you know, check out the whirlwind potato on YouTube. Who wouldn't? Gotta be a communist not to check out the potato. That's what I always say. Oh, and you can get me on the Wicked Brickstiz and the Wicked Explorers. Just type in Wicked and you, your chance. Jesus, I got the hiccups now. Type in Wicked and chances are you, and there's nine things that will pop up that are related to me. So it's nice and easy like that. So uh, real quick, uh, Super Bowl prediction. Who you think is going to win on Sunday? Uh, I'm still go- I'm going the Eagles against my better judgment. Going against the Eagles. I wasn't sure they were playing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you watching a different Super Bowl than I am? <laughs> Fly, Eagles fly. Eagles. Chiefs. Um, <laughs> completely. I mean, Christmas colors, I guess, right? Red and green. Maybe that's why you got thrown off. I don't know. But uh, I am going um, I'm going Tampa Bay, and I'm going um, winning by a field goal at last minute for a Tom Brady show. I fear that's what's going to happen. I just don't want him to win, man. Like I was saying, like it's like, it's yeah. like watching your ex like, with somebody else. Yeah, you might wish her well, but not that well. I'll even go stronger. I think Tom Brady might retire if they win. You know, he was talking the other day about playing actually possibly older than 43 now. Yeah. 
well, I mean, I mean, seven Super Bowl wins. Does he go for more, or do you just go on top and say, "Hey, listen, drop the mic and say, listen, I just won six. I want another one. Go fuck yourself." I think he's gonna get so delusional. He's gonna run out into traffic, thinking he could fight cars and die. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think, <laughs> I think when we see the demise of Tom Brady, it's not gonna be nice. It's gonna be no, like Justin Pedroia. No, who just finally retired. He should have retired three years ago. But yeah. I think I think when he goes down, he's not going to go down gracefully. It's going to be very, like Peyton did it right. Peyton on fumes won that last Super Bowl and was like, "That's it, I'm done." Um, I yeah, Tom Brady. I think he's gonna. It's going to be tragic the way he's going to go down. I think so. I mean, why wouldn't you just go going off on top? But I mean, hey, fuck it. Who do what do I know? Right? Because it's not for the money. At this point, he can't be playing for the money. No, it's ego. It's like he's, he's oh, his brand. His brand. Yeah. But still, I mean, he could retire tomorrow and his brand's still going to do well. You know? Yeah. Oh, ego. It's just this. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I, I guess we, me and you will never understand his plight, I guess. Oh, fucking no. Yeah. All right, world. It's been a pleasure to join us tonight. Thank you, as always. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. We got tons of comics booked for the next few weeks, so stay tuned. And uh, maybe uh, maybe Ryan Glover will show up and he'll just be like this all night. I you think it's Ryan. a free scrum, but it's really him. <laughs> R.I.P. Ryan Glover. We'll see what happens. All right, I'll see you guys next week. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. <laughs>